Ingram, hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? This is exciting. Ah, thank you for being the podcast. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm happy today is Friday and it's the weekend. How was your work week? It was busy, but it's done. How have you been? Pretty good. Pretty good on my end. I have no complaints. Nice. Um, That's good. So for the podcast, I'm pretty open to any topic. Um, you are a counselor now, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I definitely, I think we should talk about mental health. Um, and I think this month is mental health awareness with men. Um, and I know last month was mental health awareness month. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty open to talking about anything. Uh, but can you give us a little bit of background of how you got started in the mental health field and when did you graduate and what interests you in going into the mental health field? Um, well, I got started in the mental health field as a teenager when I was volunteering just like in high school um just like as a mentor not even a mentor I didn't mentor I don't know why I just said that um (laughs) I was part of this club called the Leo Club which basically went around town and helped out people who needed it which obviously benefited mental health um but I really didn't start diving into it until undergrad when I majored in psychology and, you know, I joined Shore and interned with them um, and just all that kind of fun stuff. And so I graduated with my undergrad in psychology in 2017, December, 2017. Um, And I took a couple of years off because the mental health, profession oh sorry if you hear my cat by the way is that gonna be an issue no it's okay I know you're the cat lady (laughs) okay cool you just tried to attack my neighbor's cat through a window which isn't gonna work obviously yeah um but in South Carolina the mental health industry if you can call it an industry is really flawed Mm. and there's like nothing there in South Carolina nothing established The stuff that is established isn't really good. Um, They just have a really long way to go for mental health. And so those two years I took off, I spent trying to find a job in the mental health field, but I couldn't in South Carolina. And so I was like- It's very limited here. It really is. Even like there is, I forget what the name of it is, but there's that um, facility by Cookout and they like- I've only ever heard bad things. I think I know what you're talking about. And I've only heard bad things as well. Yeah. So they just definitely have a long way to go. Um, but I was like, well, I am making no progress with what I want to do here. So I started applying to schools in Oregon and Washington because that is where I've always wanted to live. I say always, but when I moved to South Carolina, I realized I wanted to live out here. Yeah. And so I got my master's in clinical mental health counseling last June. So I've had it for about a year now. Um, and then, but when I moved out here first, I did ABA for a while. So I got my okay, license, behavior applied behavior it? analysis. Yeah, and that's getting pretty big in South Carolina, too, with, like, autism kids now. Um, Mm -hmm. They're trying to push people to do that once they graduate from college. Yeah, it definitely either is really good or really bad. Like, there's really no in-between with ABA. Um, So I got my BAI license, which is Behavior Analyst Interventionist. And... Mm -hmm. So I was doing ABA with kids. Um, I think my oldest client was five at the time. So five and under for about a year and a half, maybe two years, because I did it while I was in school. Um, And then once my internship started for my school program, I tried to do both for a couple months, but it just got really overwhelming. And so I had to leave my ABA job, which was really sad because I loved it there and I loved everyone who worked there and I loved the kids and seeing them make so much progress. And then just compared to the ABA program at the place I work at now, 
it's completely different. Like the ABA program I work at, or I, at the place I work at now, isn't nearly as developed as the one that I was working at. It doesn't have the individual sessions in the homes like the one that I was in. Um, so it's definitely not the best, but the other, yeah. the first one I worked at is really good and it really benefited people. But now, That's good to know. now I am just a professional counselor associate, which used to be called a licensed professional counselor intern, but everyone would see the word intern and assume, oh, well, you don't know what you're doing. But the reason that the word intern is there is because in order to get licensed, I need to have 2,400 direct client hours, and I just don't wow. have that many yet. Um, so they changed the name to professional counselor associate because they're like, well, you guys aren't really interns. You guys work here. Um, I think in South Carolina is LAC. LAC. What does that stand I for? I think I have to Google it real quick. I think that's what it is in South Carolina. Hold on one second. I think. Give me one second. You're fine. Same thing, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. And so I am definitely grateful that they changed the name because when people hear the word intern, like I said, they automatically think you don't know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And so I have a pretty high caseload right now. Um, We are kind of going through a short staff everywhere in the country. Basically everywhere mental health wise is short staffed right now. How um, many caseloads, how many clients do you see? Well, currently on my caseload, I have about 97. But wow. that is because of community mental health. Um, community mental health is nonprofit and so anyone can come and the caseloads are super high but like a couple people sorry my cat is okay. <laughs> a couple people that i went to school with um they work in oh, my goodness did you hear that yeah but they're fine <laughs> <laughs> they work in like um, school-based settings or they work in facilities that aren't community mental health and so they have a cap at their caseload of like 25 clients mm. and community mental health right now just does not have that cap so I just keep getting clients but not all of them I see every week some I see like once a month some I only manage their meds if they're on any um, and like make sure they see their psychiatrist on time. So it just sort of depends on what each person needs um, and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, and usually with, um, like I know South Carolina, they call it like rural health clinics. Usually here, um, the councils don't have a cap on how many patients or clients, whatever you want to call them in the setting you are. Yeah. They don't have a cap on it. So they can see between 100 to 200 caseload or even more, they don't have a cap on how many they can see. Yeah, which definitely is not helpful, I feel like, because the counselor should not have that many. Um, and it can lead to burnout. It can definitely lead to burnout, and it can lead to not even really knowing all of your clients. Like, there are some mm -hmm. clients I'll see once a month, and I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot that you were on my caseload. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely a problem. I feel like maybe a lot of people are not necessarily walking away from the mental health field. It's just not enough people in the mental health field at this point to accommodate so many people needing mental health needs right now. Right. Um, and then in return, people have a high caseload. Community mental health definitely needs more counselors and more employees in general, because what happens is people who work in community health end up getting licensed and 
switching to private practice because they don't want a caseload that high. So they're like, okay, um, now that I have my license, I'll do private practice and I'll cap my own caseload at like 20 or 25. And that's just continuously what happens. That's why community mental health has such a high turnaround rate. The caseloads are so high. The employees are always burnt out. It's just kind of a hard system to work in. Yeah, and on a South Carolina perspective, that's the same thing. Um, People may work at a job to get a little bit of experience or they may just not even last for six months because they're burnt out. It's just, it's too much. Right. I definitely am lucky in the place I work because my manager and like my supervisor um, are very, well, I mean, I say manager and supervisor, he's the same person. The people who work there, are very focused on making sure that you are all right. Mm. So if I needed a mental health day or two, I'd be able to take it. Or if I felt I was getting super overwhelmed, my manager would put a hold on my caseload until I got everything under control. And then he'd take the hold off and I would get more clients. Um, That's good because you definitely support as a counselor. Yeah. And so he is a really good manager and just the people that work there are really good. I feel like it would definitely be a different experience altogether if I had different bosses and such. Yeah, definitely if you probably didn't have any support or you weren't able to take a self-care day or a mental health day, it'd probably be a little bit worse. Yeah, definitely. Well, my background in mental health, me and Autumn were both in SHORE. I can't remember what the acronym stands for. Um, students Helping Others Reach Excellence. Okay, I'm getting old, I can't remember. <laughs> they changed it, like it's COAST now, I think. But I didn't really learn about mental health. Um, I would say I knew about mental health, but I didn't really learn about mental health until I went to undergrad because when I transferred Coastal, they made the point to always talk about mental health no matter what class you really had, they talked about mental health. And the reason why I found sure is because I was a women's and gender study minor and I needed an internship. And my advisor at the time recommended me to interview with sure for um, an internship and I got accepted. And then that's when I kind of started learning more about um, more than like just things existed more than depression and anxiety It was different things that people went through like anorexia or, you know, um, school-related stress. Um, So I think when I first started that internship, that kind of grew my love for the mental health field. Um, And then I changed my major um, to IDS studies, and I did a concentration in public health and women's and gender studies, and I got a BA in IDS. And I recently graduated with my master's in social work, and I used to say I didn't want to go the clinical route, but um, I think I do want to go the clinical route. Um, I don't think I would want my own private practice per se, um, but I would be open to doing like virtual therapy in the future because I, I like the telehealth aspect now. Do you do virtual therapy? I do. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my in-person days and then Mondays and Wednesdays are my telehealth days. Okay. That's a good, that's a good schedule. It is eight to seven. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I don't work. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you did tell me you didn't work on Fridays. Um, if you, have you done clinical work? Um, so a social work is different from, uh, uh, masters in counseling. So with social work, you usually can go to a program And you can, you know, major in, you know, they have mental health, they have, um, you can do family, they have military. Um, Mm -hmm. When I graduated from Winthrop, ours was pretty much based on the empowerment practice. So Mm -hmm. we would have classes, we would have like macro social work is more so administrative. So um, community outreach program management. So we would have macro classes and we would have micro classes. So micro was based on um, mental health. So we would have, you know, classes which you have to like diagnose clients with disorders, um, do mock therapy sessions and um, do clinical notes. 
So I like winter because it was based off macro and micro. So you can know more than just, you know, the clinical practice. So it wasn't really focused on just one thing. So we Mm -hmm. got to learn both sides of social work. That's cool. So you did do like actual therapy sessions, basically, but um, fake ones, I guess. Yeah, fake ones. Yeah. And then um, with your internship, it was completely up to you where you want to do your internship. My first internship was Department of Social Services, Mm -hmm. which I guess you could say it was more so meso, which is a mix of macro and micro. So, um, you know, a lot of case management, home visits and you know we would actually go to court and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then my final internship was with behavioral health so it was more so the clinical side so doing assessments um on clients um you know doing mock assessments but we actually had actual I actually had actual patients but I didn't like put it in the computer or anything I would do it and ask for permission from them if they felt comfortable being an intern to come in and talk to them and I was able to shadow and do treatment plans but like I said it was it wasn't mock per se because it was on actual people right so you had a little bit of experience but the social work if you want to do clinical you have to do you get your base license LMSW and you have to be supervised and then when you do your LCSW I think it's three three thousand hours and you have to be supervised for two years wow yeah so it's a lot I was going to say that the place I work is hiring telehealth therapists and they do free supervision. Yeah. And that's what I've been pretty big on with getting my next job is free supervision because it can get really, really expensive trying to be um, a new clinician. It can get very expensive and some jobs don't even offer um, it being free. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I just paid my rent late today supervision having to pay for that that would not be good <laughs> it's expensive it it's is. expensive it's expensive to be in the mental health field and people don't realize it mm-hmm. it's it's very expensive and then you have to do continuing education classes don't you um I don't yet because I'm licensed okay or I'm not licensed so it's not technically like hey you need CEUs because I'm still being supervised constantly yeah. Um, but once I get my license and I don't need supervision anymore, then yes, I need CEUs. But the place I work also does that for free. They have trainings mm-hmm. constantly, which I That's attend good. all the time because I love to learn. And so they just, you need CEUs? Here, there's a training next week. That's good. What is your fa- What would you say is your favorite um, like therapy approach? Um, I am into play therapy a lot. Okay. Like, I have, all my clients are 18 and under. And a lot of them, we play just, like, general games, like, Connect Four or Sorry or Battleship. I love Battleship. And I don't think I ever played Battleship. Oh, my goodness. You've never played Battleship? I don't think I ever have. Well, you have to. I have (laughs) never played it. (laughs) But we work on things like with the younger kids, frustration tolerance and following direction and following rules and like not cheating in games and losing in games Um, because I do not let my clients win. I refuse to. That's a good thing. You tell them you can't win everything. And then my older clients... We normally just sit and chat for a while. Um, Some of them will want to play games, but not all of them. Um, I have one who loves music. So whenever she comes into my office, I turn on Spotify and then we talk over the music. Um, Yeah, so every client has a different approach. You can't really use the same approach with each client. Otherwise, it won't work. Yeah, and you definitely can't use the approach because some people... They may like a, a counselor or therapist that is quiet and you just there to hear, you know, they want to give you everything they have going on and they don't want you to say much. Mm-hmm. Or some people like a counselor or therapist that's very interactive to stop them um, and not be quiet. So you definitely can't have the same thing with everybody. Everybody's different. Exactly. And like I've had clients transfer from me to one of my coworkers because 
I'm a very like loose counselor. I Mm -hmm. am not one of the really stiff, super professional ones. Like I don't wear shoes in my office and I sit cross-legged because I just hate shoes and I hate sitting normal. (laughs) Mm. Um, And so I've had a couple transfer for me like, yeah, she, she's nice. Like, don't get me wrong. And she's just not a good fit for me counseling wise, which makes sense. And I've gotten clients from other therapists who are like, yeah, she's just too uptight. So I needed a younger, like looser therapist. And I was like, well, yeah, makes sense. They sent you to me. Yeah, because some people are like, I learned with interning, different counselors are different. You have some people that are very outgoing mm-hmm. and you have people how we used to see on like on movies, like a, a therapist, they have a piece of paper and a pen and right. they're like, mm-hmm, okay, that's how you feel. And that's just different ones. I personally, that's not my style. I don't really like the notebook writing paper. That's mm-hmm. how you feel. I don't like that. I like a lot of interaction. Yeah, I'm not the stereotypical sitting in the chair with the notebook, taking notes. I'm the, I walk into my office, kick my shoes off the second I'm in there. I go pick up my clients from the lobby without my shoes on. Um, what? I just hate shoes. That's just totally irrelevant to you what like Crocs? Oh, no. God, no. I was going to say they feel like you don't have any shoes when I got Crocs on right now. But You want to know what else don't... feels like you don't have any shoes? No, no shoes. shoes. <laughs> I knew he was going to say it. <laughs> um, yeah, they're just under my desk the entire day. And then I put them on when I leave to walk to my car. I take them off and I drive home without them. Well, we all have our own thing. Yeah. And so I'll go in there, sit in my chair, spin it around, get cross-legged and look at them. If they are 18, then normally we catch up. We start chatting for a little bit. If they are like probably 11 and younger, their parents will come in as well. And then depending on the client, they will either just catch up with me and fill me in on what we should work on or they'll spend the whole session in there. Oh, great. Um, That's not bad. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I actually had a client tell me the other day that she had been recommending her friends to me because I am loose and unprofessional. <laughs> and but you know what? That's good because they're younger and yeah. younger generation are going through so much. We went through a lot, but it seems like they're going through more than we went through yeah there's um, definitely yeah a lot so and it's she, good that they're going to therapy yeah she um told me obviously i can't i'm trying to like figure out a way to word this without okay. telling you about my session <laughs> mm-hmm. um she was like, yeah, I told them you're re- really relatable and that you don't wear shoes. And a lot of them were like, she doesn't wear shoes. I was like, I don't know why that's always the the thing for my clients. But whatever it is, it loosens them up the second they see me not have shoes on. That makes you feel like maybe you're not judgmental because if you have no shoes on, you could be judged. So why would you judge them? So oh, maybe that's how they see it. And I always have fun socks on. Okay. Maybe that's a good icebreaker, too. The lady with no shoes. (laughs) It has been an icebreaker every now and then. Like, where are your shoes? I'm just like, I hate them. Where are your shoes? Why are you wearing them? So how do you, you know, people talk about self-care now and burnout. How do you avoid getting burnout? I know you said that. You have a lot of support from your manager and you can take like a self-care day or a mental health day. But what do you do when you actually do get burnout? Like, what is your plan? What is your go-to to, you know, kind of recover from a long day? Or if you had a horrible session, not a horrible session, but a, a session that may have triggered you or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I go to therapy twice a week. Okay. Which is definitely helpful I think everyone should be in therapy it's literally a circle of therapy if you think about it like I have a therapist my therapist has a therapist her therapist Mm -hmm. has a therapist she told Mm -hmm. me once she was like we're just each other's job security 
like, okay. Um, but when it's like days that I don't have therapy and I am super burnt out, like let's say it was a really long office day and a lot of the sessions kind of went haywire. Like I would get home and honestly, the second I'm home, I just sort of snap back into being all right. Like being a therapist is one of those jobs that you have to leave at work. Mm. If you take it home with you, it will tear you apart. Like I have Mm. clients who text me and it kills me not to text them back, but community mental health rules are, I can't text them back. And so every now and then, like, someone will send me a really long text, like, hey, I'm having a hard time right now, blah, blah, blah. And I'll have to reply, hey, I can't talk outside of business hours, but here are all the crisis numbers. You can actually text with the crisis number now. Um, I told a client I had that um, that you can text now because he just did not feel comfortable calling. Yeah, there are so many text lines now. I have an absurd amount of crisis resources that I can give you if you want. That'd be great. If you could, I really appreciate that. Um, But my partner is actually really helpful in the sense that he's a just calm person overall. So like I'll get home and he'll just be chilling, playing a game or something. And I'll walk in and he'll give me a kiss and a hug and he'll be like, how was your day? I'll be like, "Uh, you know, it was kind of rough. And then he'll stop playing his game and talk to me for a little bit. Or if it wasn't rough, then he'll just keep playing his game. And he is the most perfect person ever because he just is very supportive and understands this field and the toll that it can take and understands the mental drainage, really. And he gets it and he's very supportive and it's just super helpful to have him around. And I'm happy that you have that because a lot of people don't have that um... And some people don't realize, you know, I hate to say it, some people think maybe being a counselor or therapist is you just listen to people problem all day and you just talk and that's it. But it's it's really more than that. Yeah. It's so definitely something. Support. He was helping me feel a little better on Thursday. Was it Thursday? Wednesday, I think it was. Because I had... In the same day, three different DHS caseworkers call me and ask to give my opinion on where to place the kid. And Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to give that opinion. That is a responsibility I do not envy having. Um, And it's just the fact that three in one day, it's a lot to know that these kids are going through these things and maybe taken from their home. And I can't do anything about it other than help them through whatever happens. Yeah, I remember when I interned, um, we had a kid, uh, cause they let me intern at DSS through every department. So assessment, foster care, everything they had there. And that spark of memory, I remember um, we had a, we would do like, I guess like do visitations or something or pick the child up or something with foster care, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Long story short, the little boy was like, um, when am I going to go home? And it was like I couldn't say anything because I was just an intern. And a lady was like in a school getting his sister. And I remember going home and I cried like a baby on the way home because I, I felt bad. I was like, I didn't realize how blessed I was growing up to not be taken away from my parents. And he was a little kid and he was crying mm-hmm. telling me that. And it really broke me up inside. And it took everything for me not to cry in front of him that day. So that mm-hmm. was a hard moment. It's definitely really hard that these kids have to go through these things. And like I said, I don't envy that responsibility. I don't think I would be able to make a decision on the placement of a child and feel okay with that decision. I yeah. am totally it's fine hard. helping the kid. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that work in that field in particular, I think they just get numb to it. Mm-hmm. because it's just so hard to process it it's just like okay a routine I do this I see this child for this home visit I got to do this by the end of the month I go to court okay this child got taken away okay and I think a lot of them just get numb to it because after a while 
what other choice do you have to do it because it's a hard job to do yeah, so anyone who yeah. does that I commend them because I don't think I could do that I know I couldn't do it I couldn't do it definitely one of the caseworkers that called me was like I'm losing sleep over this like I've cried over this I don't know where to put her and I'm like mm-hmm. I am sorry I can't tell you she's like yeah. what if we subpoena you like they're trying to subpoena everyone and I was like well the attorney at the place I work really tries to get us out of going to court because he doesn't want us to be put in those situations. And I'm like, only thing I'll be able to say is that the only things I can say are facts or things that are already in my notes. So if they request my notes, that's it. That's just like subpoenaing me, but Mm. they try to get me to go there anyway, so I can give an opinion, which I can't do. Yeah, it's a it's a hard. That's a, like I said. That's just a hard field. And when I left that internship, I told myself, I I know I don't want to do that. Like the man was like, "Logan, do this internship because you'd be exposed to so many things," mm-hmm. which I was. But I walked away knowing that that's not in my cards or cards of a field I want to be in. It's not. And a lot of people that I know that were there when I started, I don't think they're there anymore. Or if they still are there. They're doing pretty good. But like I said, personally, I just can't do that. Um, it's not for me. I'm too much of a crybaby. I mean, there are fields in mental health that aren't for everyone. Like I did PCIT mm-hmm. at my current place for a little bit. And mm-hmm. it only lasted a couple months because I couldn't do it. It just is too much parent training and not enough working with the kid directly. And yeah that's not my strong suit. Like I work much better with the kids than I do with the parents. So I stopped doing PCIT. And right now I work in the substance abuse field and I don't even know how I got into it, but you always would say, I don't want to do substance abuse, but deep down inside substance abuse is the population I like to work with. I don't know why, um, but that's just my area. Um, I just like working with them, I guess, because when I first started in the substance abuse field, I didn't know anything about it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, people judge people that are on drugs. And I never was the type to judge people on drugs. I always wanted to know, well, why did this person get in this situation? And then mm-hmm. when you talk to people, you realize they're just like us. It can literally happen to anybody. You may have a back injury and you may get hooked on pills or you may have something that's traumatic happen to you and turn to drugs to cope. And I realized, okay, Everyone is connected by some way, and you can be in that same situation too if life happens to you. Right. Um, but I really do like working with the population. Um, you have to set boundaries with them um, a lot, but they're a pretty good population to work with. I definitely commend you for that because I am not good at working with the substance abuse population. Um, mm-hmm. The clients of mine who are in substance, like are using substances. Um, I do just like general therapy with them. And then they also see an A&D alcohol and drug counselor on the side. Mm, yeah. And a lot of them have a lot of um, trauma at the core. So a lot of them have like, you know, trauma or mental health illnesses that they've been undiagnosed for a long time. So mm-hmm. the counselors I work with, they do, uh, we do a medication assisted treatment, which is like Suboxone and Subutex and then alcohol for um, patients on alcohol. So it's like they're getting, sorry, they're getting um, mental health, the medicine part, and then we do have the primary care. So they get medical attention too. So it's like a one-stop shop if you want to say that. Right. That's like the place I work at. It's a community mental health Actually, it's just a community health facility. So, like, um, once a week, they have a dentist there. Um, They have a psychiatrist downstairs. Upstairs is the adult. uh, I honestly don't know what's upstairs. I've never been there. But downstairs, there's the adult therapy team. And upstairs, there's the adult something. That's good. They have different resources for them there. That's good. Y'all have that. I work right in the middle on the kids' floor. You like working with kids? Would you say you prefer working with kids or adults? I would 100% say I like working with kids. I mean, you know me. (laughs) Yeah. 
I think it's it's a special person to work with kids, especially when you go when they're going through things, because that can be rough to see kids going through things that adult go through adults go through because a lot of kids are going through a lot of things they shouldn't be going through at an early age. So I know that's probably pretty hard. And they just need someone consistent for them, really. Like I have a client I've been seeing who has bounced from home to home back to his bio mom and then from home to home back to his bio mom. And so like, I'm the constant thing in his life. I'm the one that is consistently there. Him and his caseworker, I mean, his caseworker would count as well. Um, But other than that, like, they, they just go with the flow. They don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's good to have some form of consistency in their life. Like I've had foster parents when I went to update an assessment like a three-month assessment tell me well you actually know them better than I do I just met them it's like that is fair because you do but I'm happy y'all provide a uh, array of services for clients where you work and it sounds like a good place to work a lot of support um now I like that for you especially now that you're just starting out Mm-hmm. You got to definitely have support. I think not counting my internship, I will have been a counselor for just under a year right now. But if you count my internship, um, I started September 2020. Oh, you started when the pandemic was getting good, huh? I did. I was the first intern to ever join them during their transition to telehealth and that. Mm. So it was interesting. All right. That's, I think I talked about that on my last podcast with my classmate. We talked about um, how like COVID changed things. And that's one of the good things out of COVID was more the telehealth virtual appointments, either with counselors, doctors. Mm-hmm. You can do any appointment via Zoom or telehealth. So I think you were saying that's one good thing that came out of COVID. And a more of awareness of mental health um, came out of COVID too. Mm-hmm. I definitely prefer in person still. I always will. Um, but that's why I have in-person days for those clients who need in-person sessions. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done, I do therapy too, but I've never done um, therapy in person. I've only done it virtual. Interesting. I love doing it in person because that's when you like really get to read the body language and their energy and play games with them. And just, it's a lot different connection wise being Mm -hmm. with someone in person than it is talking to them through a computer or over the phone. Yeah, I think for me personally, I like the virtual with my counselor now that I see. I like virtual. I don't really want to go into office because if I think I had to go to office, I would tell myself I don't want to go. So personally, I like it for myself, for my therapy sessions to be When you use the DBT skill opposite action to the urge. Mm, (laughs) That's true. Just giving you some skills now. So, um, I would say I'll wrap the podcast up soon, but what advice would you give someone um, from your perspective, maybe struggling with their mental health or scared to go to therapy or just scared to take the first step to make a therapy appointment? Because I think they say that's the hardest thing, actually realizing you need help or need to talk to someone, make that appointment or tell your doctor or friend Mm -hmm. or something like that. Well, it's always hard to make the first step. And then once you make it, the second step is the easiest thing you'll ever do. Mm. Because that relief that you'll feel after, like after making that first appointment or after telling your doctor is going to be so nice that you're going to follow through with it. And after that, it might get a little more anxiety provoking or whatnot, but that's what they're there for. What they're there to help out with um but a lot of times I know a lot of people are worried because of like the stigma surrounding mental health or their parents finding out that's a big one Mm -hmm. um 
So what I would say for them is the stigma is going away. It's taking a long time and there's definitely still stigma around it. And it's not as bad as it used to be. And for the kids or the people who are afraid of their parents finding out, I don't know what the law is in different states, but I know here in Oregon, if you are 14 or older, you can get services on your own without your parents' consent. And the only um, stipulation to that is that your parents need to be involved by the end of treatment. So I could literally get a 14-year-old tomorrow who's like, my parents don't know I'm here. Don't tell them I'm here. And I can work with them for two or three years, never talk to their parents if it's not needed. And then when we're about to discharge, I can talk to their parents and that can count. That's good. But then there's also the like, are you billing your parents insurance? Um, I know money issues are also a big reason that people don't get services because it is expensive. It is definitely super expensive and it isn't for everyone. Like it's not attainable for everyone. Which is some Yeah, and I know some places like I go to a private practice um person and she has like a sliding fee scale which Mm -hmm. you get it at a discounted rate. And then I know in South Carolina, if you go to a rural health clinic that has the counseling there, you get on a sliding fee scale and you know, even if you don't have any money, they won't turn you away. Um and then some programs online they have free therapy i think i saw someone talking about that in the social work page i'm on facebook um but there's different options for people i think a lot of people worry about the price because they probably only know what's advertised like in movies is private practice it's not like a community health place so they think they have to pay a lot of money you know every time you see the person but if you do research, you can either find somebody in your area or people do virtual therapy at discounted rate, or you can do free therapy, but I don't know. I think that was better help they was promoting or something like that. I have, have to look into not that. heard the best things about better help, but I can't really judge it because I haven't looked into it at all. Like none One of my um, friends is um, better help. And she thinks it's good, so from her perspective now as a therapist, I don't know, you know, a client's perspective, but she has, I think, about six clients from there or something like that. I mean, Um, I would feel a client's perspective is mutually just as, if not more important than the therapist's perspective. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. I think it has to be an easier system for people to get help, like, yeah, definitely. Some type of government funding app or something. You put this what you want. Um, where what type of therapist you want to see? Male, female, race, gender, age, and honestly, it should just be free for everybody. It should, it should be. be. Uh, it should it be? It should be free for everybody because everyone needs it ultimately. Mm-hmm. For sure. And the place I work, uh, you go in there and you can have an open assessment done that day. Which means, like, you go in, you're like, I'm struggling, and they'll get someone to do an assessment for you. But because it's in community health, your first section might not be for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And then they'll try and make it more consistent after that. That's a downfall, though, but... At least you are talking to somebody on the first initial, you know, if you needed help and you're in crisis or something, you guys don't turn them away. You find somebody for them to talk to. That is something that we actually have a lot of trouble with because community mental health is not a crisis center. And a lot of people come in in crisis thinking it is. Mm. And so they will have one of us talk to the person for a little bit and try and calm them down. But the thing they really should be doing is going to one of the crisis centers or calling the crisis number or going to the emergency department. Mm -hmm. Because if they just come into a community mental health place and 
all the therapists are in a session, like they're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need more education in, in that area too. Yeah. Like there's a specific crisis place here that is really good um, in the sense of helping people when they're actively in a crisis, which is, which is good. But sometimes when people go to a crisis center, um, they get triaged. And so they get kind of held in a room for a while and they get assessed, see how much of a danger they are to themselves or others. And if they're like not really showing that innate, like uh, what word am I looking for? Imminent maybe? Um, thoughts of hurting themselves or hurting others, they can potentially be stuck in a room for hours just waiting. Mm. And then it turns them off of going back if there's ever a crisis again. And so there's flaws throughout the entire system and it just needs to be worked out, but there's also really good things about the system as well. Yeah, definitely have to advocate for change. Yeah. So I thank you for being on the podcast. Um, To end it, I started implementing this. Um, Talk about maybe a favorite album of yours at the moment, a favorite song, and um, I guess favorite food at the moment because I have my food block. I started talking about that. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's see. Um, Favorite food is probably Chick-fil-A. Cause you I don't hit no more around here. The one where, not, where I live, it don't hit anymore. It's not good. Really? Mm-mm. I that don't know so if they changed the flour or the oil, but it's well, just not good. Sucks. There is one Chick Fil A where I live, just one. And when I moved out here, they didn't even have it, so it was rough for a while. I'm not gonna lie. Mm. Um. Ooh, favorite album at the moment or favorite song i don't know if i have a favorite at the moment or a favorite song at the moment all i know is i love music and so i listen to it constantly and i have deemed this summer the summer of concerts because my partner had never been to a concert up until last month when we went and saw kaleo Mm. and This month, we're going to see Halsey. And then next month, we're going to see Jason Mraz. And then in August, we're going to see Kaleo again. Okay, cool. I'm, like, diving into headfirst, letting him get the experience of concerts. They are my happy place. Um, But there is this song you were talking earlier about substance use and how a lot of people judge it when it's something that people can't control really um and there's a new song i don't know if it came out today it may have came out today from demi lovato called skin of my teeth and Mm. it is about like the struggles of quitting substances and how it's a disease um and then there's also a song that came out called so good by that i'm just like vibing on and then there's kaleo songs like walk on water and I don't know. I love music. You That's have a hard to text question. me. You have to text me that song and how to spell that other person's name because I like to um, post um, the songs that I talk about in the podcast or albums um, on the Instagram story. So you have to text me that so I can add it. I um, will. I would say um, album right now. SZA um, released "Control Deluxe." Um, I listened to that recently. Um, Don Tolliver, I don't know if you ever heard of these people. Life of nope. a Don <laughs> album. And uh, 21 Savage, Savage Mode 2. That's been the music I've listened to. Um, <laughs> I just love the drastic differences in our music. Yeah, this week. But I appreciate you being on the podcast. Hopefully, I don't know when, but I'll make it to Oregon one day. Yes! Uh, it's a pretty bedroom. Come stay. It's a, it's a pretty long flight. I looked it up a few years ago. It was a long, long yeah. flight. It is um, an entire day worth of travel, so you have to account for that. 
I would have to have like a week off or something to try to go there. I'm, that's not a place you want to go for a few days. Yeah, definitely. And you want to go when it's like pretty, um, not when it's like all the trees are dead or it's fire season or something and it's all smoky. Okay. Hopefully, um, I'm aiming for next year. Nice. I don't know if I'll still be living in this apartment next year. I'm hoping to have a house, but, um, I don't, that's not going so well because I'm broke and my partner is very picky about houses. I know he's going to listen to this. So I'm like trying not to say anything bad. I love you. Um, (laughs) he wants a good house naturally, but I'm like set on the town that I live in right now. And the houses mm-hmm. here are way too expensive. Yeah. And so I'm just real trying to convince him that we we need to get a house here. But I don't know how well that'll work. They're y'all can work. Y'all can, y'all can work in the middle. That's what he says. But like, <laughs> I love the town I live in. <laughs> well, maybe like, you can manifest it. It'll work in your favor. I'm trying. It hasn't been working, but I'm trying. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm talking about mental health and congratulations again on graduating and you, you know, too. working in thank you and working in the mental health field. Um and I didn't give background, but me and Autumn went to college together and we met in Shore. So that's how we know each other. And it's been how many years? Too many. Five years? Five years? I don't know. I'm getting old. But I think it's been like pe- ten five years. Five years? No, it's been like ten years. Because I graduated in twenty seventeen and I met you a few years before that, didn't I? Was it sixteen? Maybe let's let's go in the middle. Let's call it like eight years. I think eight years. Whoa, that's Maybe a seven. Time. Seven or eight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to try to come down there um next year. For sure. And you have to let me know what's the best time to go with the weather and stuff like that. For sure. <laughs> but I appreciate you being on the <laughs> podcast. You're like, I am totally ignoring your pun. You're a dumbass. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm I'm serious. I, I've been saying that for two years. I'm going to come down there, but I'm going to have to, um, life is too short to say that. I'm going to try to do it sometime next year. Do I'm it. That. I'm but I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, hopefully, soon and later, I'll tell you I'm a counselor too. I'm working on it. But um, hey, I'm telling you, there's that telehealth position open where I work. I got you. I got you. I'm gonna think about it. I don't know if I want to live that far from my mommy. I don't think you could do that. Well, you wouldn't. You'd be living where you are because it's telehealth. Oh, telehealth, telehealth. Okay, cool. Well, you could text me that too, but right. um, <laughs> I appreciate you being on the podcast. I hope you and your partner have a good and safe weekend. Um, and the cats weren't too bad. You heard, y'all heard them, but they weren't too bad. So good. From the cats to the train on my end, I think we did good. But I appreciate you being <laughs> on the podcast. And hopefully I can have you on season two. Um, this season is almost over, so I'll try to have you on season two again if you're open to doing that. I am absolutely open to doing that. This was so much fun. All right. Take care, Autumn. And like I said, I hope you and your partner have a good and safe weekend. All right. I'll talk to you and text you later. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.